At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. back to the hollow sky podcast we're your hosts i'm steven and kyle and thanks for hanging out with us on this lovely monday morning hollow cult kyle's been digging into some mystical items for today's episode so that should be magical and awesome it is magical but we got to get through the good old housekeeping the business so check us out at all our social media facebook instagram youtube twitter tiktok discord reddit Come and be part of the community. Be a member of the Hollow Cult. And don't forget to check us out Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Central on YouTube and Facebook where we have our live call-in radio discussion called The Night Shift. It's awesome. Be there. Bring some weirdness. If you have a paranormal encounter that you'd like to share with the show for a future episode... Kyle's got all your deets. You can call the holophone, which is going to be 1618-556-0837. That's also in the show notes. All information in regards to Discord, emails, phone numbers, uh, addresses, all in the show notes. But you can call or text the holophone. You can write your story out. Send it via email, which is going to be holoskypodcast at gmail.com. You can also send information to holoskyinterview at gmail.com if you'd like to have an interview. Uh, any way that you want to get us your story, you can also use like a voice memo app, record yourself, shoot it over to the email, whatever you see fit. We will then get it and get it on the show. Talk about your weird encounter. Hell yeah. If you'd like to support the show... There's plenty of ways to do it. First and foremost, share the show. Share episodes on social media. Throw our name out there whenever you get the chance to people who like to listen to podcasts, people who like weird, the 40 and the unexplained, the conspiracies, the whole shebang. Throw Hollow Sky's name in the hat. Hopefully they pick that name and become a listener. We have a Patreon if you'd like some extra content. 
go over there, check that out. We've got like probably almost 50 extra episodes over there now. Uh, there's all sorts of different tiers, and for as little as $1 a month, you can hear our lovely voices more than you can by not paying $1 a month. We have a Venmo that you can throw some pocket change in if you'd like to support our uh, monster habit, which we're trying to curb because we will probably have heart failure. But it's true. Still, we appreciate that. We so, use, it, regardless, it helps us in our endeavors. Yes, we could use that for updating equipment and such. Uh, you can leave us a five star rating and review. And buying a Hollow Sky Lambo. And buying. A hollow sky helicopter. Oh, I like, I don't know. Can you, who's flying the helicopter? I don't know. Gage? All right, well, I'm in. And Maddox? I'm definitely in then. They'll just, they'll just co-op it. I'm in. You can leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if I find them, I'll gladly read them. I mean, you can leave us a one-star rating and review if you want, but... We, we will probably just laugh at them. That's what we do now. But anyway, I will shout you out on a show. Today's five-star rating and review is brought to us by our friend Septa Lamore. They say, love these guys, five stars. Two good old blue-collar boys going over wild stuff. What's not to like? They talk like sailors too. Hella dope. Septa, thank you so much for taking the time to leave those kind words. And we we try to be conscious of our foul language, but sometimes better. sometimes you just got to go with it. You know, a lot of people don't oh, like yeah. it. Kind of kind of pigeonholes us into a specific demographic, but you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. We are who we are. You can't change that. No. So we're just gonna roll with it. On to today's listener experience of the day. It is brought to us from our friend Cheryl. Cheryl says, hi guys, really love your podcast. I hope this comes through okay and you can find a spot for it sometimes. It's about a guy that was like my second father. Keep it groovy. So, Hollow Cult, here is Cheryl's experience. Hi, my name is Cheryl. I live in the Cincinnati area and I've been listening to y'all for a while. Um... I really enjoy your show, and um, I was looking for a podcast that covered these kinds of subjects, but where the hosts actually seem to care about each other, and um, just were more interested in like growing the the fam instead of just collecting numbers for for breaking records and so on. So I just, I knew you guys were the ones I wanted to hang with. So I very happily joined your Patreon and hope y'all stay going for a long time. Um, so my story is, it isn't like really spectacular and scary and just, you know, bone chilling and stuff, but it is genuine and um, it's something that's really special to me. And uh, I felt like this was a safe place to share it because I haven't done that before. Um, okay, so I moved to this area in 84 and I was 20 years old-ish, so, so you can figure out my age. Um, but I moved here and I didn't know a soul. And compared to where I grew up in West Virginia, 
Um, you know, Cincinnati is a pretty big town, and my accent's mostly gone because I got tired of people saying please every time I said something. Like, they couldn't understand me. I mean, come on, I was speaking English. Um, <laughs> but, uh, anywho, um, one of the guys in our little group, there were five of us in our department, um, was a older guy. He had kids even much older than I was, uh, and he was, he was nearing retirement, and he was also a retired Marine. Now, I'm not convinced that Marines ever retire, because they're always Marines. And um, David was built like a brick wall. I mean, he wasn't real tall, but good Lord, that man was just like solid and, and fierce. I mean, he could just be as gruff. Gruff was a, a good word for him, but gosh, what a, what a warm soul. And so here I was, this little country bumpkin moving over, a um, little bit of nothing. And he really took me under his wing. And he knew my dad was, and I were really, really close. And that uh, he was now three hours away. So he says, you need anything, anytime, day or night. He says, you call me. And I mean it. This isn't shit. I'm not shitting you. You call me anything you need. And I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> Um, and, and that, that was our relationship. He was just a great, great human. And we'd talk church stuff and, uh, just stuff. Um, and in 94, I was getting married and I really wanted Dave to be a part of it. By then he had retired and I hardly saw him. And, um, I just, I wanted him to just be present and, and not just be there, but let him know that how special he was to me. And so I told him, I said, you know what? I, I don't need a bridesmaid. <laughs> he, I said, but, um, I, 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 I appoint you my bouncer. If anybody gets out of line, you handle it. And he's like, yes, ma'am. So he was all in and, uh, you know, it was just a wonderful day. We had a great time and that was in July. And then, um, early December, I got word that he was sick again, because he had had cancer in the 90s, but had recovered, um, but I heard it was really bad, and, like, the next day, he was gone, and I, d I didn't get a chance to go see him. And I didn't understand what was wrong because he seemed so, he seemed fine in July. And um, <laughs> that's when his family told me that he, that cancer had come back and was, was really aggressive and that he didn't want anybody to let me know because he didn't want to spoil my day. Um... So then I got mad at him for being such a butt and not letting me know. Because, you know, sometimes people want to take care of you too, you know. And um, so the, the visitation just happened to be on my birthday. And um, 
a lot of the other older retirees uh, all came to the visitation and we had <laughs> we had a great time sharing stories and I heard some things about my Dave that I didn't know <laughs> uh, some shenanigans with chemicals it's all fine it's all fine <laughs> uh, did I mention I work for a chemicals company but anyway um, so it was a a good evening, I guess, of fellowship, but it still felt so unfair. And by the time I got home, I was just emotionally raw. And I went outside and it's like, Ohio in the first week of December is cold. And it was, it had been raining, so it was muddy and just not quite frozen, but just miserable. And I'm standing out on the back porch and I'm just sobbing and it was so unfair and I started yelling at the sky I'm yelling at God like why would you take this man who had just like devoted his life to God and why would you take this one when there's so many buttholes around here that you could have taken instead why do you why do you take the good ones away and you know, my Dave in the cold, cold ground, and it's just not fair. They're still breathing and walking around. And I mean, I'm just giving him what for. And I felt, now remember, Dave's a Marine. He didn't give you like a warm, soft, cushy hug. He would like punch you in the arm and say, you know, you're all right. You know, that kind of guy. And I'm standing out on the porch in the rain, ranting, right? And I felt... I felt this brain duster just on the top of my head. And I looked around like, had my husband come outside? How dare he hit me? <laughs> but I'm looking around and I hear Dave say, it's okay, Cheryl. You know I'm not down there. And now I'm crying and joyful because you know Dave being so, of such deep faith I knew if there was a heaven that he he he'd be going there and and for I to give me that comfort and that hope it just it meant the world to me and here's my Dave helping me one more time and and that's my story like i said it's not spooky scary gonna break records or anything but um it's it's my story and it is so precious to me so thank you for giving us the space to share our stories and feel like a family because for some folks that's that's what we've got all right thanks man talk to y'all soon bye first off cheryl thank you so much for choosing me and kyle to be the platform to share your experience and we want to offer our condolences uh for your loss of your friend dave he sounded like a phenomenal dude um that being said it is 
comforting when we're left with questions and what ifs and why did this happen when those close to us that have passed on seem to give you a little acknowledgement that they're where they need to be. It gives us a specific kind of closure and just kind of seals, heals up that sadness from losing somebody like that. <clears throat> it is weird. There's like a level of acceptance that happens when those things happen. You know, it reminds me of, you know, when Ernie passed and I was on my way home and I, I dedicated a song to him. And then I had this amazing feeling of clarity wash over me, fill my whole body. It was, it was bizarre. But it, it was essentially for me, it was the same thing that happened to you, you know, uh, except that you actually got to hear him say, you know, that he's not down there. He's basically okay. Like that was kind of what it was for me. And it, you know, now that Steve says that, and, it is like this its own form of acceptance it's really bizarre how you just kind of i don't know you it is like you cope with it better yeah it's almost like you need it it's, yeah it's weird you know it's almost like you you no matter how much people that are currently in your life tell you it's going to be okay you know it's going to be all right you almost need them specifically to be like I'm I'm where I need to be. Everything right. everything is working out. Yeah. The way it's supposed to. Um yeah, I would I would hold your solace in that, Cheryl. For sure. That he's still looking out for you and he is exactly where you anticipated him to be. But I again want to thank you for choosing us to share your uh, experience, your very personal experience there. And our condolences do go out to you for your loss of your friend. Uh, from there, we're going into Kyle's little research project here on mythological objects. I hope it's a... You, freaking unicorn horn it's pretty interesting stuff man uh, a lot of stuff that i've never heard about like like starting it off here with this um it's the centimani stone and apparently this stone has been sought after for an extremely long time because according to some this is the object you want if you want wishes fulfilled. Oh, I'm game on. Right? So some people even claim it, which kind of seems a little bit far-fetched, but it. some people claim that it's the original Holy Grail. Or it could also be one of the several Manny jewels. It's said that this stone was one of four that fell from the sky when King... La Thorny Nyastin ruled Tibet. The Santamani stone was held by those who were on the path towards Buddhahood. It also depicted a luminous pearl in the possession of Buddha. Apparently there are there are many depictions of different deities from different types of religion holding the stone, which makes it all the more oh, interesting. That's dope. Right? 
because it it spans different religions and different deities. Oh, like yeah. it, it's it's very it makes it very interesting. I'm googling now. Which you know also aids to the claim apparently that it it it, it actually has the ability to fulfill wishes. Um, it's said that the stone is made of moldavite, a glass that was created when a meteor crashed in the Czech Republic 15 million years ago. <sighs> moldavite is considered by some to, to enhance psychic and healing energies. One idea is that this stone was a gift from the Sirius star system millions of years ago. They say it happened during a galactic superwave when a planet exploded just outside Sirius. Some of the people who have apparently owned the stone or fragments of the stone are as follows. King Solomon, Alexander the Great, and Akbar. It's also suggested that it can be found in the Philosopher's Stone or that the Philosopher's Stone is made of the exact same material. What's amazing about this stone is that in, in artwork... It's seen through many different religions and cultures, all seemingly depicting the same outcome, granting wishes, from Japan to paintings of Jesus with it. Oh, that is... That's... Fucking crazy, right? Exceptionally significant, considering it spans different religions. Yes. Um, Another crazy bit about this is that the Dogon tribe claims to have had encounters with what they they call Syrian missionaries. To prove their claims, they would present knowledge of the Syrian three-star group and knowing of the moons that surrounded distant planets, which, crazy enough, apparently even the Freemasons may have had contact with the same quote-unquote Syrian missionaries as well. And they're able to relate this through the Eye of Providence. We see it all over the place. Even the Dogon tribe knew this image. They call it the eye of the universe. Oh, that's awesome. Right? Where did we also talk about the Syrian... Uh, uh, in Starless Star Ranch. Yeah. Because those were the... Dude. That was... The Syrian were the entities that show up to help... Yes. ...explain and the bad grays and stuff that are I there. I thought it was mercenaries from Syria. Yes, yes. But that was wrong. Yes. I'm curious as to what the other three jewels were. I'm not sure. Fell. And what happens if you build... A Thanos glove. ...a glove, and you get all four of the jewels together. It's basically the Infinity Gauntlet. Yes. That would be sick. Uh, well, that's what we're doing in 2023. I'm hunting down these jewels. Let's do it. <clears throat> um... You know, regardless, a lot of people still believe that the stone itself was brought to Earth by these Syrian missionaries with the goal to bring a one-world civilization based on mutual support and equality. Pretty fucking interesting, man. That is so wild that it's tied to so many different groups. Yeah. So many different religions, so many different groups. Bro, like the the Dogon tribe one is the one that gets me. Like the fact that they, they, they knew what basically what we would refer to as the Illuminati eye, yeah, you know, the eye of providence. So. They knew that image, but they called it the eye of the universe. Yeah. So I, maybe in 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 the grand scale of things, that eye means a whole lot more than what we think. Than what we think it does. I was gonna 
dive in and do uh, do some research on the tribe because of their knowledge of uh, star systems, yeah, astral star systems and such. Because is I mean, according to our own like information, they shouldn't have the technology to be privy to some of the information that they have, right? So we we might circle back around to that in a later. Yeah, I've heard because that's I've heard other people awesome. mention them too. I don't remember where I've heard it before, but I have heard that tribe before. And just just doing a quick Google search, they've got statues of uh, from Japanese culture holding the Cinnamoni stone and like everything you could possibly. Isn't it fucking wild that yeah. it like ranges so much? It is. It is both within Hindu and Buddhist traditions. Uh, Hinduism is connected to the gods Vishnu and Ganesha, which I mean, I don't know anything about Hinduism. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to, but apparently they're pretty significant figures in that religion. And the fact that it's tied to all these like big time players. Right makes it a very significant piece of religious history. Absolutely. And I mean and it leads credence to it. Yeah, and I got to know what the other, these other three stones are. I should have looked into that, and but I, I just they, got carried away. Where they are and how I'm going to get them all together. <laughs> but I got I got that bit of information from ancientorians.origins.net. Um, the next item, cause I was going to initially set this up as just kind of like a fast draw, short description oh, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of tons <clears throat> of different, um, my, you know, mystical items, more or less, you know, items that are said to have any type of ability or anything. Um, but I got so carried away in some of these stories like that one there, where I, I wrote way more than I intended because it was just so fascinating. The the next one here is the Ring of Gyges. This ring apparently will grant the person wearing it with the power of invisibility. So in this tale of the ring and its discovery, there was an earthquake which opened a chasm in the mountainside. A shepherd was nearby and seen the chasm, which he then entered. Inside he found a tomb with a bronze horse containing a corpse. This was a, a very large man, and he was wearing a golden ring, which, of course, he took. This shepherd discovered that adjusting the ring would make him invisible. From here, he went into full plot mode. Apparently, he would use this power to get into the palace and ended up seducing the queen, then with her help, killed the king and became the king of Lydia. But it, it, in that that ring reminds me of the same ring from Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. That's, right? a, that's what I was first thinking of. You, you adjust it and it, it turns you invisible. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't imagine finding something. Oh, that turned me invisible? Yeah, that would just... And... There was there was a lot of like, uh, almost like philosophers style people. 
using this to kind of analyze man. Like most men who would acquire this ring and have this ability would would always fall victim to their evils. You know. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? You could you you could imagine the infinite possibilities what you could do with being turned invisible. Yes. I'm looking this up. I never even heard never heard of these last two at all. But I wonder. Which almost makes you wonder if the, if that if this in itself aided the Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, like inspired it. I'm yeah. sure I'm sure it did. Right. Uh, man, I wonder I wonder if this was legit real. It could have just been contemplates how a metaphor, but even with you know, you, you look at what would be considered mythology or anything of that nature, yeah. like there there still could always be, you know, proof behind it. Absolutely. And because I mean having that power. Yeah. Because be... I think I think like with King Solomon and his ring. I want to say, if I remember correctly, and I don't know that I wrote on this episode, but I think his ring had the ability to control demons and stuff, if I remember right. I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I knew, I know there's something, it's something to that effect. That's wild. It is weird. It does, it does, like, pose a moral dilemma. Oh, absolutely. As to whether as to whether someone who would not commit a, commit negative acts of injustice would, if they had the power, to not be caught. Ah, uh, but the majority of people probably would. Yeah, I'm gonna say. Unfortunately, um, the next item on the list is <laughs> what is referred to as the hand of glory, which is pretty interesting. The hand of glory would actually be the hand of a hanged murderer, then magically preserved. Sometimes this hand would be used as a charm. Some believed it was to aid robbers breaking into places. They say it was the right hand of a murderer. In a perfect world, you would remove the hand while the body was still swinging from the gallows. Or you could cut it off during an eclipse of the moon. You would then wrap it, squeeze it of blood, then pickle it for two weeks <laughs> using an earthenware jar with salt, long peppers, and saltpeter. Afterwards, you would dry it in an oven with vervain, which is said to repel demons. Or you could lay it out during the dog days of August to dry in the sun. Once the hand was preserved, they would do one of two things. You could put candles between the fingers which are referred to as dead man's candles. You'd make these candles with the murderer's fat. Then use his hair as the as a wick. But you could also just dip the hand into wax, making the fingers themselves the candles. As it goes, when the candles or fingers burned, the hand of glory would essentially freeze time. People would stop almost dead in their tracks. But there's another rendition of this where what you would do is say, say I was trying to break into your house. I would light the candles while you were sleeping and it would essentially make you stay asleep. Um, 
Regardless, this is when people would try to rob places. They would light these candles before they entered the area. The tale goes, if the thumb of the hand would not burn, then someone was in the house awake and could not be charmed. Once these hands were lit, they said the only thing that could put it out was milk. And I got this from occultworld.com. But the whole thing is just bizarre in regards to this hand of glory. The the acquiring of it, and it is one thing that kind of struck me that was really bizarre is that it was the hand of a murderer. But this hand of a murderer would help aid robbers. Very yeah, weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very weird. I'm just reading up on this again. I haven't I hadn't heard of any of these. It's also said that not only would it render motionless all persons who it was presented to, Hand of Glory also purportedly had the power to unlock any door it came across. Interesting. So that would definitely help out people Robbers. who are trying to right. to rob uh, people. And what a weird way to extinguish it, using milk. Yeah, what? <laughs> what? Oh, there is a lot of different like it's all over in like popular culture and literature and shit. Oh yeah, I've I've heard of the Hand of Glory several times. Uh, for any of my true crime aficionados out here, uh, it's purported reported that a Hand of Glory was proposed as one of the motives for an unsolved murder that occurred in wartime England sometime in the mid to late 1941. The case was made more mysterious by numerous graffiti that appeared later stating who put Bella in the witch elm. So if anyone is familiar with the woman in the elm, uh, apparently this could have been one of the motives to get a hand of glory. Interesting. Which is, it is interesting. Strange. This next one I have for you is probably one of the most legit, bizarre, mystical items <laughs> that I've ever heard of in my entire life. I'm gonna sick. I'm gonna absolutely annihilate the pronunciation of it because I don't speak Russian. You but don't? It, no. It well. is the scattered sambaranka. Wow. I think you nailed it. This is a Russian blanket or picnic cloth that would perform miracles. You have to be able to say the right phrases or words, but if you can, it will then fill itself with food and drink. The blanket demands courtesy and respect when you call upon it. Because if you don't, then it will just spawn infinite salt to utterly ruin your meal. <laughs> Once you roll the blanket up, it will make all the crumbs, plates, and food disappear. So it's like it's like an unlimited hack picnic. You lay this blanket out, you say the right phrases or words, and it just spawns the most perfect picnic. And delicious. Yes. Unless you are disrespecting it and then it just dumps salt all over your food. The only thing I can think of is that we're screwed because we can't speak Russian. Right. So oh, we yeah. are never no. going to say the words correctly. Yeah, ever. So but I got that from the full cart press stop or press blog. I the like those, I love those. How weird is that? How weird is that? Like, even if it's fake, but how utterly bizarre that, that that's a thing. 
I, I, I don't know. So bizarre, dude. I don't know. There is a whole fucking thing here. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, this is no ordinary blanket. It's called the Scatter Samobranca, or Magic Tablecloth. Magic, indeed, is it told. Who is happy, Russia? The tale is about seven Russian peasants who travel the land... Uh, in the prologue, a small bird asks the peasants to spare her tiny chick in return. She will show them an enchanted white blanket, and whenever you wish it, the blanket will serve you with food and vodka. You need but say softly, O blanket enchanted, give food to the peasants. At once, at your bidding, through my intercession, the blanket will serve you. Uh, you have to be grateful. Neglect or ingratitude can result in salty dishes or salt in your tea, burnt pancakes, bad cooking of all kinds, misinterpreted orders or foul versions of recipes. Thanking your tablecloth after a delicious meal is all that's required. Spillage or stains on the cloth should be cleaned despite its ability to clear up dirty dishes. If you don't know the best way to clean the stain, ask the cloth and it will happily tell you. Holes or damages to the cloth should be sewn up or it will gradually lose its magical properties. Follow these simple rules and treat your magic tablecloth with care, and you can travel the whole of Russia without fear of going hungry. That's from russiapedia.rt.com. <laughs> dude, how weird is that? I want a snack blanket so bad. Oh, dude, I'm hungry right now. Dude, you would unfold your blanket, and it would just be full of Taco Bell. I'd be okay. That'd be sick. As long as it was Taco Bell breakfast crunch wraps. <laughs> Just infinite breakfast crunch wraps. I would, pr- I would probably have a heart attack from eating so many of those. Well, we'd mispronounce and it'd just be, they just, <sighs> you bite into them and just be full of salt. That would suck so <laughs> bad. That would be so bad. I would probably eat them anyway. I probably would too eventually. <laughs> I don't right. know. Uh, another another thing for 2023 fine infinite snack blanket. Oh, yeah. I'm down. Uh, the next one here is the the Book of Thoth. It's said that this book is a collection of ancient Egyptian texts, which are written by Thoth. Thoth is the Egyptian god of writing and knowledge, who apparently wrote over 20,000 books. The book itself is full of knowledge and spells. It's said that two of the spells go as follows. One lets you understand the speech of animals, and one of which allows the one reading it, to perceive the gods themselves. Alongside this, you would master the secrets of earth, sea, air, and celestial bodies. At the bottom of the Nile River, near Koptos, lies the book. It's sealed within a series of boxes which are guarded by serpents apparently no man can kill. However, in a story here, there was an Egyptian prince, Neferkapta, and he apparently was able to fight the serpents and claim the book. But in doing so, he displeased the gods because they considered it stealing from Thoth. So in turn, they killed his wife and son. Later, the prince ended up taking his own life and is said to have been entombed with the book, which another man named Setni was able to recover and basically had to fend off Nefercapta's ghost, who ultimately ends up tricking Setni into killing his wife and children. So Setni then ends up returning the book and burying his family inside the tomb alongside 
Nefercapta. According to some, this story is to instill that the knowledge of the gods are for the gods. It's not meant for man. Well, clearly. <clears throat> I, uh, so it goes from being able to speak to animals to actually perceiving all of the gods. Yeah, uh, and like I said, those were apparently, from what I, I quickly found, two of some of the spells and knowledge within these book, this is, book. I'm looking it up, and a lot of it's tied to like Aleister Crowley. I guess he was a big... Yes. Uh, big into the book of Thoth. Right. But that, I mean, the implications of that is, uh, would be awesome if you could get your hands on it. Oh, man. I don't want to know what... Well, it'd be interesting to know what Frank was thinking. She's got like six brain cells and they just <laughs> all bouncing around at the same time now Leroy on the other hand he's probably just kill 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 all the time oh most most likely most cats are like that they are they are most likely that um uh, let me see here real quick yeah my, anyways the the next one I have here is the Nantos cup I hope I say that right. But anyways, some believe this is the actual Holy Grail. Oh, dope. The cup that was used by Jesus Christ during the Last Supper. It's said that this cup has the power to heal. So on its journey, it was brought to Wales by a Joseph of Armethia, then hidden for a thousand years, when in the 12th century, people began to share stories of it and then... With these stories, people then started to hunt for the Holy Grail. Three centuries later, Henry VIII knew of the Grail and its location, to which he ordered the church that housed it to destroy the Grail. But it said a group of monks were able to acquire the cup and take it to a monastery, where it then remained until the monastery was destroyed. But during all, you know, during this destruction some of the monks were able to make off with the cup and hide it again. These monks then took the cup to a mansion called Nantos, which was owned by the Powell family. I assume the monks stayed at this mansion, and when the last of the monks died, they gifted the cup to the Powell family. The Powell family then more or less treated this like a family heirloom, handing it down over generations. In 1988, a Reverend Peter Griffiths went searching for the cup. Upon doing so, a voice came to him and informed him that he would end up finding the Holy Grail. Shortly after, a friend called the Reverend to inform him of where the cup was. It was with a descendant of the Powell family, and this person was very particular on who was able to view the cup. But the man ended up sending the Reverend water that was poured from the Nantos cup. The reverend then gave this to this water to a blind man. The blind man was then able to see. He gave it to a man with leprosy, which cured the man, along with people with arthritis and other incurable diseases, all who seemed to recover from their ailments. Many other cups have since tried to claim the fame of the Holy Grail. But the, the irony to all of that is that all of these cups that claim to be the Holy Grail they're all made of very expensive 
metals, gold, silver. They're, they're just very lavish. The Nanthos cup is made of simple wood, right? That checks out. Which, by all accounts, <laughs> I mean, if you really sit down and think about it, it kind of makes out. sense, right? That's awesome. Yeah, That's absolutely awesome. crazy. That is awesome. And it, it just... Like the I the I and it, to me it makes sense because yeah when you when we sit down and we think about the Holy Grail, you you think of a very lavish cup, just very oh, yeah. gold and and having rubies or diamonds in it and just being this larger than life thing. But if you, if you really, it's like it's this red herring. Exactly. Everybody wants to go out looking for the shiny gold chalice when it's really just this just wooden this, mug. Yeah. And as I'm I like, like I said before, I don't know a lot of these, but I'm sitting here Googling and checking out <clears throat> as Kyle's reading them off. And an interesting current affair with the, uh, the Nandios cup here is in July 2014, the cup became object of renewed media interest after it was reported stolen from a house in Weston under Pinyard in Herefordshire. The cup had been loaned to a seriously ill woman with connections to the family that owned it. It was believed to have been stolen while the woman was in the hospital. A spokeswoman for the West Mercia police said, I don't want to say we're hunting the Holy Grail, but police are investigating the burglary. Following intelligence that the cup had been sighted, police raided a Crown Inn pub at Leah in Hartsfordshire. The only item found that vaguely resembled the Nanios cup was a salad bowl. A $2,000 or 2,000 pound reward was offered for the safe return of the cup. It was recovered on June 19th in 2015 as part of Operation Icarus. Following an appeal. Fuck that. Operation? Operation Icarus. Following an appeal on BBC's One Crime Watch Roadshow, West Mercia police gave few details of their recovery except to say that they were contacted by an anonymous source and the cup was subsequently handed to the officers on neutral ground in a prearranged meeting. No arrests were made. Operation Icarus, however, is police investigation into the organized theft and black market trade of religious and church artifacts in England and Wales. So it all pretty much lines up. That's crazy, dude. And what's crazy? I wonder where. I wonder if the cup made it back to the original owner. I don't know, man. Because I feel like there's gonna be one group that's gonna really, 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 really want that cup. Yeah. And it's probably gonna end up in the basement of their big. Yes. Exactly. Big uh, institution. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs> because when you when you said it was stolen, I'm like. Hmm. Wonder who took it. Weird. <laughs> Wonder who took it. I don't know. That's that. That is awesome. It's a cool little story, though, and the fact that it has the powers to heal is way cool. And the fact that it was part of a recovery, legit operation, yeah. makes you there's some smoke to that fire there, right? Or some fire to that smoke. However it, you want to put it. It just so happened to some anonymous person is like, hey, I know where this is at. Go. And it was a prearranged meetings and no arrests were made. Like, right. You Come literally on. stole this. Yeah. That's awesome. It is cool. Um, the next one on the list here is John D's crystal. 
Um, John Dee was a, an astronomer, alchemist, occultist, astrologer, and an Elizabethan mathematician. So what I get from that, uh, John Dee was a pretty well-respected and intelligent man. Um, Dee had a few different mystical items, one of which was a black glass mirror. It's said that he would use this mirror to scry. He would make contact with other spirits and learn the future, or even ask them questions about the esoteric. Well, at one point, he makes contact with an angel named Uriel. After making contact with Uriel, Uriel then gives him a large purple crystal. This crystal had a list of powers, from contacting angels, seeing the future, and healing any ailment. Even though this crystal was on a chain and a ring, and it literally almost looks like something you would hang from your keychain. Uh... Even though it looked like a trinket, the, the power it has was amazing. It said that it was, it was even used to help craft the Philosopher's Stone. But with the, this crystal, he would use it to constantly make contact with angels, even saying that these angels had written several books about him. Dee and a colleague named Edward Kelly claimed that through the stone and contact with angels, that the angels themselves taught them the language of the angels, Enochian. Apparently, the angel Raphael left a message to Dee through the stone. It goes as follows. John Dee, I am Raphael, one of the blessed and elect angels of the Almighty, and at his will and his good pleasure he hath commanded me to appear here at this time, to set forth the will and pleasure of the Almighty God. So if thou wilt, do as God shall command thee by this message. Thou shalt have all these messages, promises, and wisdom, both for the Philosopher's Stone, the Book of St. Dunstan, and the secret wisdom of that jewel that was delivered, as thou knows in what manner it is plainly known unto thee. Later the crystal would be passed down to D's son, Arthur D, who then ended up gifting it to his doctor, Nicholas Culpepper who would then actually use the crystal to heal all types of ailments throughout his medical career. A few strange things, though. One day, Nicholas would give up the crystal because he claimed a demonic entity materialized out of the crystal to harass him. So from here, it passes through a number of owners until, oddly enough, it ends up in the Welcome Historical Medical Museum in 1936, where it remains. Uh, oh. So it's real. That's awesome. And th that was by, I got some of that information from Mysterious Universe, but. That's awesome. What a fucking cool story. I, it's, it's super interesting that it is in the medical museum. <laughs> yeah. That's that was my thought that the fact that it's sitting in a medical museum, which is bizarre. I mean, all, all every everything that all claims aside, it does have some like medical folklore in it, but like not enough to where you would think that 
it would be in a medical be in museum. A museum. And I mean, especially when it's got the demons jumping out of it. Right. But I, I mean, if it's powerful enough to have angels come out of it, you know, that's my thoughts. Be, there's got to be a flip side to that crystal. That was exactly my thought. That's that's awesome. Fucking really cool story. It's crazy how these artifacts are so. Um, I guess, like I looked up pictures of it, and it literally looks like a keychain. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like it how looks some like some of these things could be bouncing around. Uh, around the world right now and people not know what they no, do. No, not even have a clue. Until a demon jumps out of your right. chain. Right, and and like with the Nantios cup, the fact that it's just a little wooden mug. Yeah. You wouldn't know, you wouldn't bat an eye at that thing. No, no, not at all. Wouldn't bat an eye. Not at all. Um, The last one that I have here is the Bell of St. Mora. And with this one, one day locals would hear a bell clanging. And as they gathered to see what was making this noise, they saw a bell floating down from the heavens. As this bell landed on earth, the clapper separated from the bell and returned itself to the heavens. So all that was left was the bell itself. Well, with that being said, people do what they do best, and they find ways to use a bell with no clapper. So what do they do? They turn it upright and start drinking out of it. Uh, I thought you were going to say, like, use it as a cowbell. Bang, bang, bang. That that could have been something. Or cowbell. But apparently, when drinking from the bell, it's said to give women pain-free deliveries and cure the sick. So it is another object of healing, which I, I found super fascinating whenever I was writing this because a lot of these mystical objects have the power to heal. Yeah. Which is kind of bizarre in a way. The fact that so many of them revolve around one subject. I th- I I feel like it ties back to the time period because like medicine and shit from the time period is basically non-existent. Right, it's kind of like So they're looking trash. for any sort of intervention they can find. Yeah. To I can see people that. Out. I can see that. It's almost like a source of of uh, hope and positivity, yeah. like here I've got this crystal that will heal your failing liver. And what's crazy with of the three, the three healing <clears throat> items, they all come from basically religion. Yeah, that's what that's where I was gonna go. It almost like promotes the positivity in a person. That they're going to heal, yeah. Which could essentially heal them. Heal them. Yeah. You know, like their their yeah. body would heal itself in in the positivity coming from their mind that they're going to be healed by this artifact. I believe I could buy that. I could buy that because I do. I do believe there is stake in that too. I do believe that actually does. Yeah, you can you you can harness make, results. Manifest yes. Results. Yeah. Um. I'm like you. I don't know why. Like I just, I'm gonna forget what topic it was, but it got me on to like really wanting to search out items with powers. It just, I don't know. It, it just has my interest. It, it a, it's that inner nerd to us, right? Like, you know, playing certain video games and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Like, there's definitely that nerdy vibe. Indiana from Jones, it. right? Like it is. You know, because you have the crystal skulls out there. You've got uh, King Arthur's sword in the stone. 
You, oh, yeah. you have all time. There's so many of them out there. We could probably do 15 different episodes on all these different, you know, rumored items out there with power. You know, there's, I've even read stories. I know we've done it on the podcast, reading stories about damn, like basically magical lamps, like, you know, genie oh, yeah. in the lamp shit. Yeah. It makes you wonder, like, what kind of, like a lot of these things are old and ancient, but who's to say there's not new things popping up every day that have powers and mystical absolutely powers that that like we don't know about. Well, then you get you could also take someone who is able to channel power and create things. Oh yeah, I was you know? I was just gonna say that have have people that could tie powers to objects that nobody else knows about which would be freaking awesome hell yeah i want some cool mystical items like i'm in diablo or something like let's go i'm gonna make a fucking infinity gauntlet with the four stones from tibet or wherever that'd be awesome you you build it when you snap your fingers the yeti comes out of the mountains and he's just there to kick it with you that'd be pretty sick that'd be worth it i could get down with that <laughs> That'd be worth it. I can get down with that. Hell yeah, that was a dope episode. It's fun. Like I, I really, I really, 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 I, and like I said, it's it's definitely that inner nerd in me. Oh yeah, those are you know what I mean. Cool. Like they're just really, really cool and fun to to read about, learn about. I love how a lot of them have history. Like they they have paths, you know, and kind of like when I did when we were talking about the Spirit of Destiny that time with the third Reich weirdness, you know, how it it has like a, a supposed history where they, they can track this item throughout time and, and link it to things. It just, it's super fascinating to me. It is. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah, that was, that was dope. It's cool. So hollow cult, it's that time again. We're glad that you got to hang out with us on this wonderful Monday morning, Monday afternoon, whenever you listen to this. But check us out at all our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Discord, Reddit. Come be part of the Hollow Cult. Hang out. Be part of the community. You know the drill. So until we meet again, stay safe. Don't forget Wednesday nights. Stay weird. Join us Wednesday nights on the Night Shift. YouTube, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. And if you have a mystical item that you don't want to deal with anymore, send it to our P.O. box. Well, yeah, we do kind of have a mystical item in here. We got Lucy. She is mystical. Kind of like a mystical item. She is. And I'm with Steve. If you, if you guys got some cool shit, send it this way, please. Check Word. the show notes. See ya. <laughs>